Hello, and welcome to the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. With me, Clive Barber, and my good mate, Noel Tom. For the days when you can't ride your bike, there's always the Trail and Adventure Motorbike Podcast. Basically, the the steering head uh, bearings were okay, no uh, were rusted. There's an ID oh, no. number. If I click oh, on Join on. Online Meeting, <laughs> it's like dealing it's like dealing with your fucking grandmother when Noel's in town. <laughs> how do you live like this? <laughs> Evening, Chief. How are you? All right. How are you? Not so bad. You got to turn your video on now. Can't see video. It. It's not on. No, oh, here we go. Turn I just see on. a nut. A nut for no. Hey, it's Indeed. working. Can you see us? In his bike room. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. What are you drinking, no? What flavour? What flavour? Oh, coffee. How the fuck can you do that, man? It's like eight o'clock at night. Like, how can you be drinking coffee at eight? I wish I could do that. It's a myth. It's a movie myth that you can't drink coffee at night. I have a cup of coffee at 12 o'clock at night. It doesn't affect me at all. Uh, you're just like way too relaxed in your life, man. Uh, <laughs> like, you haven't been relaxed. Like I saw the the entire world by the looks of it. <laughs> Screwed by Storm Arwen. Was it bad with you? It was fine where we were. We only got our power back yesterday. Did you? We've been with that. Oh, yeah. yeah. How long Friday. were you off for? Came back at four days. Wow. That's. And I just found out bloody Newbold's got two generators and didn't even lend me one. Did the did the Dunkirk spirit kick in? No, I, I went and stayed in. I did actually go and visit some friends and stayed in a posh hotel. <laughs> it was planned, <laughs> but just coincidental. Yeah, that's quite funny. But no one else's power went off. I was, you know, I was did. We were off for twenty four hours. I spent the night sleeping on my daughter's floor while suffering from COVID. It was oh, uh, happy times. That is a perfect storm, isn't it? For people that are listening to this in the year two thousand and forty, these were the the great storm Arwen from the year two thousand and twenty one. Every day when I go out, I'm just kind of constantly aghast at what I can see. It's just incredible. You're never out of sight of a fallen tree, mm. and usually they're just huge trees that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years so i've never ever known anything like it i hope noel that you've got you've bought some um log futures because the prices of logs is going to absolutely plummet the right wood now. is free that's why i always tell people the wood is free that's the labor you pay for and that, that that doesn't change should we do this podcast then go wait get you need to get your guitar out and do the intro this is no, i've line. got a better one now i've got this <laughs> got this <laughs> got this one to bring it back to the subject in hand clive do you um do you pack that on your motorbike trips uh no well i'm going to start to i bought it specifically for that and the part of what we're going to talk about is how to pack minimal package so rather than bring my trumpet i could just bring a very small tin whistle to entertain everybody you have tin whistled i've got tin whistle down here as well that's amazing you've got tin whistle <laughs> fuck <laughs> on your list <laughs> well i'd be more surprised have you actually you just lifted a piece of paper there you've actually done some preparation for this podcast this, this is an m&p receipt for my new helmet <laughs> i was gonna say uh, that'd be even more fucking surprising you've actually done some preparation p p p p p p p 
So this podcast then is the idea is we're going to help people on plan multi-day trips. Is that where you're going to help people because we are such authorities? But do you know what? If you have a podcast, you, you can say anything and people seem to believe it and think you actually know what you're talking about. You're, yeah. the, com- you're the comedian with the microphone. Give it an hour and they will see straight through that. <laughs> Fortunately, there's no comedians and everyone's got microphones, so we should be okay. <laughs> it's going to be a fairly dry subject, isn't it, really, as well? Trip, trip. Let's talk about trip planning. How do we decide what to pack with us and where do we go? Quick introductions first. Everybody knows me and Noel. Greg, you've been on at least three podcasts before. You're saying everyone knows who you guys are, but that's assuming that from this point on you get no new listeners. Yeah, but they would start at season one, episode one, wouldn't they? Not season two, episode seven. Mm, I don't know. No, you don't know, do you? And it was not two and it was two thousand and forty, not forty eight, I said. Greg, just tell us who you are, what you do. Come on. No, I'm Greg Villalobos and I am a motorcycle media monkey is my official title. That's about right. And then so yeah, Greg's done podcasts with us before. And uh we've got a new new joiner. Hello. Paul Jennings off of Saddlesaw Jenko, Saddlesaw underscore Jenko on Instagram. Now the only thing I've got written down about you. Paul, as you've actually single-handedly inspired a shoot and ride sticker. Yes, yes. Do you want to tell us about your sticker first? Well, my my name's Paul Jennings, and I am the W anchor behind. Hey. That, I'm behind that man. Yeah, thanks for that, Greg. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what I did. I thought I was quite polite when I met you all, but anyway. Where did yeah. it come from? Did you like? It's or been do you around have for years, Greg. You're living I've up never in the come across it. way, way behind yeah, popular well. culture up there, obviously. It's a thing. It's text speak, isn't it? W Anchor. So if you haven't heard of, of Shoot and Ride, everybody, Greg Greg does this thing called Shoot and Ride, which is, is basically encouraging people to go out and take beautiful photographs when they're out playing on their motorbikes. I always have to caveat it, Clive. I always have to say shoot photos as opposed to shoot things and, and ride and ride because round here it's all horses so yes that's what it is and greg does every now and again sends out some amusing stickers and he's got a w anchor one hello which <laughs> says wanker <laughs> <laughs> but you were saying earlier greg it's one of your most popular stickers oh yeah yeah and like no one ever buys one they like they buy them in sets of five because they have six mates. And you're not going to put one on your own bike, but you've got five other bikes that you'll put a wanker sticker on. And is, yeah. it, is, it, is it getting taken up in other territories or is it a uniquely British thing? Well, that's a good point, actually. Keep talking and I'll have a look. The word wanker doesn't exist in America. It's quite funny because you hear it on like daytime TV in America. Somebody will call somebody a wanker and it gets through because they don't actually know what it means. Is that what happened well, last time you were on daytime <laughs> Have you got yeah. have you got many um, American listeners then, Clive and Noel? Surprisingly, yes. Well, in that case, then I feel that you you should explain to them what a wanker <laughs> is because they're listening to this conversation completely in the dark. I suppose so. Well, we're all wankers, aren't we? At the end of the day, so a wanker is somebody that masturbates. I've got three UK and three international, so six orders totaling uh, quite a few items. <laughs> I sent out some questions for us to ponder, and I've, I've actually put some new ones in as well. And I think the first thing you need to think about is how do you decide where you're going to go? And what are the sort of things that influence your decision? The weather. Go somewhere dry. 
but not too hot. Go south from here then, I'm guessing. Usually, yeah. But then you've got the west coast of Scotland, haven't you? Which is utterly stunning. And you've got Iceland, which is even more stunning and a lot further north. So you have to take your chances. But as a general rule, run to the sun. I've done a lot of trips where I've just seen a film, generally. I was going to say a photograph, but it's generally a film. And I'll just see a film and that'll just get me thinking about a particular trip based on a whim in that respect. I'll just sort of see a film and think, yeah, that looks like a great trip. And then start working out how I could do it. What's someone else's trip? So going, when you say film, you don't mean like, Top Gun. No. It's <laughs> <No, I just laughs> a little motorcycling film or, yeah, that's okay, I start okay, thinking, okay. yeah. And just somewhere wild and, yeah, it's done on a whim, pretty much. Mm. But motorbikes mm. on a similar thing where I just see a picture of a bike and think, that looks great. I'm going to buy that bike. One of the other things is, is re- realistically, how much time have you got as well? So if you've only got a week, you're not going to be able to get all the way up to Scandinavia and do a ride around there. So you might choose something a little closer to home so in the past when i've done trips so before i moved up north before i met any of you guys so i had a um, an old triumph scrambler and i lived in london and it would be kind of like easter weekend long weekend and i'd literally just get an a to z atlas uh, and i would just jump on the bike and i would ride and i would just turn left then turn right and turn left and turn right until i was a long way from home and had all my camping gear with me and i would just find somewhere to camp and that was like when before family before kids and stuff and i had like freedom so it was roughly let's go east or let's go west and just head roughly in that direction like things are different now like you said like it like going away now is very much dictated by how much time i can get away the consequence of that is i'm not a big fan of or i haven't got a van but I'm not a big fan of like transporting the bike places because my time is so limited. I just want to get on the bike from my door and the trip to start there. So that's not always great. You know, you might have to ride to the other end of the country, but at least you're on your bike and you're riding, which is kind of, you know, you'd take it for granted if you could do that whenever you want. But if you can't, then just, just being on the bike is, even if you're on the motorway for four hours, it's still, you know, you're off doing the thing that you want to do. What are some sensible destinations from the UK in that case? Lakes, Wales? Wales has got to be there in there, hasn't it? Because there's so much off-road. If that's if that's what you want, you want to ride off-road, then that's where a lot of the good stuff is. I honestly could not give a shit where I go as long as I'm with people that I want to be with. Anything above that is a bonus. Like when we went around Europe, a lot of the terrain was pretty dull but at least we were eating food in restaurants that we didn't know what we were ordering you know that that cultural side is great when we went to wales that was a lot of fun and it was big views and and nice terrain but again it's the people that make it you guys have come up here and we've ridden around my backyard and again i'm not seeing anything new but i'm doing something that i love with people that i love being with that's not to say that kind of wanderlust and and Especially now with COVID, with things locked down and the ability to kind of, like the Tet has taken on a different meaning now because it's much, the idea of just jumping on your bike and going to Europe can't be taken for granted anymore. And I don't know when it'll get back to that. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there are places that I would love to go to, like Eastern Eastern Europe. I'd love to go to like the stands in Romania and the riding up there is meant to be amazing. And, you know, the further away from like centralized Europe you can get, the more freedoms you have and the more i think sense of adventure and exploring new places and no sorry that's a bit lame just that idea of um being able to go look up a look in a certain direction go i'm going to go up there and there's nothing really preventing you from going up there that would be amazing 
that that would be amazing but in in europe europe you know in like more like centralized regions then you can only really go where the trail says you can go do you know what i mean but that that opens up a whole new realm of possibilities in things like where you you just fly into somewhere and and go on a you know pay somebody else to hire a bike and and to point you in the right direction pretty much every country in europe has those operations quite often led by brits as well and there's nothing wrong with doing that i don't think i've done a couple of trips like that and it's great because you get to turn your brain off and just follow the leader awful Um, awful it depends by, by it depends where you're going it depends on not on the two trips i've done I, I would usually agree with you noel it's my idea of hell and it sounds like a package holiday where you're told where to sit when to eat what to do and it's forced fun but on the two trips i've done they were both the best fortnight of my life i've had a similar or many similar experiences going down to morocco and yeah first time i went it was just incredible absolutely loved it but then on the other side if you flip the coin what covid's taught me is that actually there's loads on the doorstep that i haven't seen yet and haven't ridden yet i did i did two days of tet about a month ago and we didn't plan it four of us just met at a petrol station and said right where are we going and we followed a lot of the tet and we used some local knowledge as well and at no point was i more than an hour and a half two hours away from home and i was riding on trails i'd never ridden and I've been riding motorbikes for 36 years, and I'm only 48. Only. Got them all. <laughs> Not as old as some people here. There's loads on your doorstep. You don't have to go a million miles. Well, there's still, for me, I haven't done um, Devon and Cornwall, and Cornwall's supposed to be a fantastic destination for trail riding. Is it the Great Western Trail runs out that way as well? Part of the Tet. Yeah. But neither of you have a, like, a list of destinations that you sort of want to tick off in your sort of motorcycling career. Patagonia. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Which is good because it's also on Mrs. Jennings's list of destinations. So <laughs> she'd go and do her bit and I'd go and do my bit. And yeah, we'd both be exceptionally happy, I think. I once saw somebody doing tours in Patagonia with TY250s. And that looked like great fun. Well, the whole of South America looks amazing. Watching the Dakar the last however long it's been there, last 10, 15 years. Patagonia definitely and I would go back to Iceland in a heartbeat it is oh it's perfect it's the perfect place for riding motorbikes I saw it on tv the other night and I was saying to Ashley it's just it's so exciting isn't it just seeing it it just reminds me how exciting it is was that when you're watching your own film on on the on the big screen just oh it's just another planet isn't it but that's all I remember about it was that every day it was just utter excitement at seeing what you were seeing it's incredible i recommend you search on youtube for f roads f roads i should have called it effing road shouldn't i but yeah everything's everything's prefixed with an f uh, what did you what route did you take no where did you go and how long were you there for my dream of going to iceland was inspired by the ferry that used to run from aberdeen and so i before i even started riding bikes on the road i sort of thought wow it's amazing you just have to ride to aberdeen get on a ferry and then you Next time you're riding your bike, you're in Iceland. And then, of course, the ferry stopped, but the dream was still there to go to Iceland. So I had to go to Amsterdam, up through Denmark, jump off the top of Denmark and get a ferry via the Faroe Islands. But then when I started to look at it, of course, it was a week there pretty much and a week back. So it turned into a a month-long trip. And when I got there, I didn't really have a plan. I sort of thought I'll look at a map on the boat. And it wasn't until I was really pulling into Iceland that I'd sort of worked out where to go. 
and there aren't that many options if you're not incredibly adventurous you know there's the golden sort of ring road which is mainly tarmac but then i just did the road that cuts diagonally across the middle of it that was my most adventurous part really was just to spring asunder you possibly do you take in the names of <laughs> terrible for i don't even know the names of the hills around a place called laugerfell with a couple of buildings and a hot pool and nothing else e, that was yeah, that's yeah maybe i have no idea it's terrible isn't it i didn't memorize any of the names really but the f26 i think it was cuts right across the middle that was quite exciting because you're still on roads aren't you but you're riding yeah. off road we, yeah. it's off road for us but it's they're icelandic roads and if you stray off those roads and try and do some extreme off-roading, you get arrested. Yeah, but also, you you know, you think you're an all-conquering transcontinental explorer in the middle of nowhere, and then you'll come across a road sign and you're just reminded that, oh, no, I'm in Iceland, this is just a regular road. It's not that, it's not that unusual. But yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How did you get there, Paul? Did you... I went with this, well, interestingly, this... Going to Iceland is how I've ended up talking to you guys tonight because I met our mutual friend Rupert that way. And Rupert persuaded me to go up to do the Hadrian's Adventure Weekend that Greg was organising. So that's the convoluted route to get here. But a friend through the TRF goes out to Iceland each year and guides a couple of trips each year, but also takes care of the paperwork. So we vanned our bikes up to Wimmingham. They were shipped across to Iceland. Um, and a fortnight later, we jumped on an EasyJet flight um, and the bikes were ready and waiting for us. And we followed Tim of the TRF around Iceland for 13 nights, I think. But even though you were being guided like that, you still have a very clear idea in your head of where you've been. Well, you obviously have. You've memorised the names. I highlighted on a map whilst yeah. we were there. We all sat Did around you... the map and drew a line of where we'd gone. And yeah. I can see it from where I'm sitting at my home desk. And every now and again, I have a look at it and brings back memories this is sort of my part of my issue with guided tours is you know i would meet groups in petrol stations in iceland and think oh, i'll try and gleam some information off that guy on the other side of the pump and find out where he's been and invariably the answer was i've no idea where i've been ask that guy over there you know the guy leading and that happened over and over people had no idea where they'd been and i, I sort of thought they're missing out really that is exactly you on a <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. You asked me in Italy once, are we in Switzerland? <laughs> no. Have we been to Switzerland? Yeah. Yes. Well, there you go. Then I want to go back and find it all out for myself. I think you have you have a bias against organised tours, and I can kind of understand why, but I think they're a, a really easy way of people of limited time to um, jump on a motorbike and, you know, go to some amazing places and reach the parts that you might not otherwise find there's the halfway house as well which is what i'd call the, the organized trips i went on where essentially it was a group of friends we all kind of knew each other there was a couple of strangers but they weren't organized by a great big corporate tour company they were more low-key than that most of them aren't are they most of them are just one or two man operations and was shipping from immingham quite straightforward it was for us punters if you want to call us that because all the paperwork was taken care of turn up at such and such a time with your paperwork drop your bike off and don't worry about it and can you remember the cost of that uh we paid slightly over the odds because we covered tim and mark's costs they were the two guys that were running the trip we covered their costs didn't pay them to guide us just covered their shipping costs and i think it was about a grand or so can't do it every year at that price no by any stretch of the imagination but what it did buy you was it was very it was time free because you only had to take a day out of your diary to get to Wimmingham and back as opposed to your lengthy 
Yeah. I mean, I don't know if people are interested in budgets and money, but I think my month long trip cost me about for, in total ferries and everything else was probably about £1,200. So let's let's rein this back in to uh, come back to less exotic travels. Let's think about, talk about um, route planning. Now we're kind of spoilt with the Tet and, you know, maybe the answer to all of our dreams and travels from now on is just download the Tet for every country. But how how do you actually plan where you're going to go? Don't. It's interesting, isn't it? That on one of those European tours you were talking about, where we were kind of guided by someone who does lots of research or did lots of research for us when we did those big road trips. I just remember a day where I was, I did have a sat nav on my bike. So I sort of said, I'll go in front. And I immediately took a wrong turn. And then we didn't find out until two hours later, but that wrong turn turned out to be one of the most memorable bits of road on that entire trip, which did leave me kind of thinking that there are no wrong turns in yeah. lots of places. No, that's the, see, the beauty of the tech is also its curse. It makes it so easy. You can just download it and go, and that's wonderful. And it's opened up this pursuit to so many people, which is fantastic. So many people have gone and created memories and experiences because of that, which is great. But at the same time, you know, the tech's very much focused on linking trails. So using tarmac to link trails. You could be a mere meters away from an amazing route and you'll never go down it because it's not on on the route and it just depends what kind of trip you want I, recently i've really enjoyed just getting on the bike going in my local area and so i've ridden a lot in northumberland trail riding but it's the same thing on a local level you just go on the trails that you always know that's the thing with trail riding is that there's only limited amount of dirt and those trails are what you're aiming for but if you kind of put that aside a bit and you're willing to do a little bit more wiggling around on the pavement there's loads of stuff out there to explore just basically if there's any road that's got a gate on it it's going to be interesting open the gate it doesn't matter that it's not loads of gravel or or dirt or whatever the chances are the road's going to be pretty knackered anyway it's going to be a farm track as long as it's legit and legal just go and explore up there how do you find out if it's legit okay well i have got my os i've got my garmin uh, montana in front of me i'm i'm not following um like a google route i've still got my os map in front of me so i can just at a glance go oh that right turn you know i don't i I wasn't aiming for it you know i I was I, i wasn't looking at my map but when i've got to this road that looks interesting i can glance down and go yeah, that's a legit road and I can go down that. And I do that quite a lot when I ride on my own because if I'm riding on my own, I should try and kind of steer clear of anything that's going to get me into bother like on the trails so much. So you stick on the road, but you can still have amazing days out. And if you're into photography, there's loads of kind of exploring that you can do around there. But the other thing, I'll, I'll show up in a minute, but the only thing that I was going to say is this idea of where to go. Well, like one of the best trips that I've ever done, and it was just before, just after we'd met, was that trip that I did around the, country just relying on other people i didn't know where i was going and i was only relying on people's local knowledge for bit to, from bit to bit i mean i guess maybe that's at the other end of the extreme isn't it it's like yeah, what is my point <laughs> what, 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 what made that trip great though that you're meeting people that you didn't know or you, that yeah, you didn't that, know that, that the thing that i remember about that trip is the people from section to section because i didn't know where i was but the beauty was i didn't have to look at a map because i was allowed letting other people guide me I can remember roughly the areas and occasionally I'll be in another part of the country and we're oh, I've ridden this before. But it's the people, it was the people for me that was amazing about that. I think you can say similar things about the, what you've just said about the Tet and 
you end up not diverting off it and you end up following a blue or a red or a purple line or whatever on your Garmin and 100 yards away, there could be something amazing. I think the same rings true for the North Coast 500 as well. It's got exceptionally popular yet, and I haven't spent a massive amount of time in Scotland, but I know that there's much nicer. I've done the North Coast 500 by accident before it was even called that. But I know that if you deviate off it, you'll see some much better sights and find some much nicer places to stop and have a pint or a picnic or to go skinny dipping or whatever, because you're off the beaten track. And that's what I always yearn for, getting away from the hordes of people on this overpacked little island of ours. It's like climbing Ben Nevis. It's like, just go and find the second highest night. (laughs) Climb that one. Do you know what I mean? Don't go and climb Snowdon and queue to touch the trip point at the top. Go and climb Triffin that's got half the number of people, but has got exactly the same views. Has anybody seen um, 14 Peaks yet? The Nims Perger film, The Mountaineer, where he basically climbs the world's 14, over 8,000 metre peaks, and he sets himself a target of seven months to do it, and the previous record was seven years. And before, the first guy that did it took him 16 years to do it. So there's there's three three of those peaks are in, uh, in Nepal, where Everest is, and uh, he took this photograph of somebody just after he'd summited Everest, and there was 400 people in a queue to get to the top of Everest, and yet there was these two other mountains which were like 100 metres different, and there was just like nobody else on them. Our trip to Spain that we've been now talking about for 18 years, it seems like. So we know we're going to jump on a ferry. We know where the ferry goes from sorry Clay, when you said that we've been talking about it for so much i immediately thought that that trip had happened <laughs> and i was trying to remember little bits of it to talk about and then i realized oh, it hasn't happened we've just been talking no. about it i really thought we had done it for a second then but it's uh, the other thing that's gonna like, horrify you know is like my answer to this is we're just following noel like noel is the sherpa for this trip like he's the one that's been there like a gazillion times so i'm not even bringing a map i'm just following noel yeah, that's great great well, there, there's an element of that, but we've all, we have got the Tet. So we, we are literally doing no planning for this trip, are we? Other than we've booked a ferry ticket. We're going to get off and we'll kind of probably work out on the ferry what, what we're going to do, where we're going to go and which way we're going to head. I mean, the good thing is, Noel's. You're not going to plan it on the ferry at all, Clive, because you'll be in the bar and you'll be far too drunk and you'll end up doing exactly what I did with Rupert and Janice a couple of years ago. And we got off the ferry and said, right, we need somewhere to sleep. Get your phone out. And that's how you should do it because it makes an event it makes it an adventure. There's no point saying, right, on Monday night we're staying in this hotel and then we've got 150 miles to ride to Tuesday night's hotel because you'll be clock watching and you'll be constrained by your plans that you made in your sterile office at home and you won't be able to be organic. Just go and enjoy it and live in the moment. Yeah. Good shout. <laughs> All I would say is from my experience of riding around the northern Europe, so we did Netherlands, Belgium and a bit of France and then back through the UK, is there was a it was early days in the tech, but there was a huge amount of in the Netherlands and Belgium that I would have happily have just like missed out because the route was wiggling around to find as much trails as possible. And you spent like six hours going like five miles wiggling around and so the trails yeah. weren't really so so that, that that's my kind of counter to that is like if you are prepared to have a little glance at the route before you go and you're restricted for time you might make decisions about like let's just miss that bit out 
because I want to get to the mountains quicker or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Your point is we did, in those six hours, we actually covered 60 miles, but you'd only gone five miles further from your starting point. Yeah, and they weren't really worth it, you know, but... You know, we don't every now and again, now zoom zoom out, look at the loops, and decide whether you want to actually do those loops or just make headway across a landscape. Yeah, and anything and any routes that go near woodland or water generally, I think are worth it. But there's a lot of routes that just go through farmland because legally you're allowed to do that. I guess it depends where you are. All right. So here's a question: If you were going to do a little bit of planning, how far is it reasonable to think that you will get in one day? of say traveling on the this is totally fucking loaded (laughs) at some point i will take the piss out of you yeah i would say not as far as you think and even less if you're riding with no (laughs) this is the very this is the very reason i don't look at the trans euro trail facebook page because that question gets asked what a crazy question i think greg has answered it absolutely perfectly the first part of his answer where not as far as you think yeah, absolutely. I think that is the answer, isn't it? It's not as far as you think. Now, on a scale of, if you think, you know, I'm going to go out on my road bike and I can do 200, 150 miles in a day quite comfortably, or I can do that before lunch, you're not going to do that trail riding. Especially if you're riding through Wales, because every 50 seconds you have to get off and open the gate. It depends. There's some people that really enjoy that. We've got friends that just want to put the miles on, don't want to stop for teas, coffees, food, whatever. and stop refuel get a sandwich keep going and that's fine nothing wrong with that each to their own but like i've alluded to in this chat is that the the whole point is it's it's a holiday you know sitting there eating some nice food with some people and having a laugh and that's as important as the miles is that just because of our age though if we were younger do you think we'd be pounding out more miles until it got dark not necessarily don't think so i think there is an element of that I think I think your needs and wants change as you get older. Greg, you haven't experienced it yet because you're not as old as the other three of us on, on this chat. I'm not. I'm not. How old are you? Forty-eight. I'm forty-one. I'm not far off. Oh, there's a big difference. Uh, yeah. No, maybe you're right. I mean, when I was younger and just getting into trail riding, I just wanted to like put more and more miles on. I guess. Uh, so yeah, maybe it mellows out with the less um, testosterone that is in your testicles. I still like to get off the bike at the end of the day. Absolutely knackered though. I don't like getting off the bike too early and not being tired. I want to know I've done a day's riding. I'll I'll give into the question a little bit and say, you know what, or ask, what's the lowest number of miles you've done in a day? Well, if you're with Greg, this is where the, the piss taking comes in and he's got his cameras out. I reckon we've gone out and we've done days of 40 miles. Yeah, possibly. And we've spent a whole day doing it. I'm surprised and disappointed that I'm the one that's bringing this medium down while I'm looking at Noel. <laughs> but you're probably right. <laughs> As the slight outsider, do you want to elaborate on what makes Noel so short-mild? Coffee stops, cake stops, lunch stops nice restaurant stops um probably just known as being the one who pushes for stops perhaps or has got aggravated when we haven't stopped after sort of three hours i don't think i've ever been disappointed when we've stopped i think it's just a a general lack of impetus to leave any comfortable situation (laughs) 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 i don't know how else to put it (laughs) and left to my own devices i've been traveling in the pyrenees by myself sometimes where i've stopped for three hours at lunchtime and just there had a go. really long lunch, yeah. Been quite oh, happy yeah. with that. 
but I think the probably so I would have thought about the least number of miles I've done in a day on a trip away somewhere is probably about 60 I would think and I don't have a most in my head but I always know what the, the least one was I think if I was planning a trip on the Tet I wouldn't plan above 100 miles in a day so I've done sight a bit of cycle touring before going to trail riding and we my wife and I did big trip around South America and we were averaging oh, I can't remember this I don't know, but I like, I think like an 80 kilometer, it was between 80 and 120 kilometers a day cycling with fully loaded touring bikes and panniers and all the rest of it. So that's what, 60 to 80 miles a day cycling. It's kind of different though, because it's a slower pace, isn't it? It's more meditative and you get to, I mean, that's the thing is that you, on, on a motorbike, you kind of, you enjoy the the comfort breaks, you know, of like stopping and having like a good chat and a natter and all the rest of it. But also when you've got intercoms on, you can actually do that while you're riding as well. I guess, okay, here, so no, like when you're stopping on the trail and having a cup of tea, is it important for you to stop somewhere with with a beautiful scenery or do you just want to be off the bike having a break? It depends. I mean, that's the goal, isn't it? If there is somewhere with great scenery, but for eating, that's not really a, a big driver as to where I would stop. It's just more where it looks nice to eat. Where looks where the I don't know where the food looks good. I don't. I would say, yeah, it's not what really you, scenery. Um, what Paul like on your because you do like mega miles on your. You don't really cycle like in terms of like recreational like oh let's look at the scenery. You when you're on your bicycle you just want to get the miles in. Is that right or do you actually yeah. do a bit of both? I'll do 100 miles without stopping. Yeah, on my Saturdays if I'm doing one of those training rides, okay, I might have to pop into a shop to refill my water bottles, but I'm straight back on the bike and carry on. And I kind of like to ride a motorbike like that to a certain extent. So what you guys are saying about regular cafe stops, I get it, but I I like covering the miles. I like getting off the bike, as I said before, absolutely shattered in the evening and having earned that beer or that sip of whiskey out of the all-important hip flask. What would your expectations of mileage be in a day than if you were trail riding? With all your camping gear on the back, it comes back to what Greg said before. Again, a lot less than you than you think, um, and I think it depends where you are. As I said before, if you're in Wales, you're not going to cover a great deal of miles because the train's trickier. I want a number. You want a number. I want a number. <laughs> want a number. Give me a fucking okay, number. You're going to do at least a hundred miles in a day, including the road work at in least. between, and you're going to do a maximum of 103 miles in the day. No, give me a number of miles in a day. Oh, it's generally, yeah. I think 120 always seems to crop up. Great. Yeah, I Give think they're still big numbers. Like when we did the trip up this way, Northumberland, like we do 65 miles in a day. Anything between 60 and 80 miles. If you're doing the kind of stuff that we do, which ends up you with a film. You need to pull your finger out a bit, boy. Come on. Yeah, there'd be no film at the end of it. Stopping and filming kind of takes quite a lot of time but for me the the you know the mileage is is low can i can i just say this reputation i have for stopping really all i want is to stop once in the day and it stems from going out for rides with people where you don't stop all day so i pushed and pushed and pushed but the best i generally get and i'm quite happy with is just one stop a day because i've ridden so much when people don't even do that I will hold, I'll hold you to that, Noel. Yeah, it's just that I don't think you're, but I've never been on a ride with you when it's only been one stop in the Really? Day. Yeah. Like, think about in Wales, man. We'd get, or so Wales would be, you'd pack your tent away. And this is not you. I'm not laying all this at your door. <laughs> like me as well. Like you pack the tent away, you get up, you'd have, well, you'd have a cup of coffee while you're packing tent away, da, 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 and you go, right, 
let's ride to breakfast. <laughs> so we'll only be because to breakfast. Yeah, but and then only... you'd be like, let's ride to lunch. And on the way to lunch, let's have a trailside coffee, <laughs> which we did. I don't see what the problem so is. I, I think it's a fallacy of this, like, oh, I only need to stop right. once a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end of part one. Thanks a million to Greg and Paul for joining us. Uh, we did a marathon recording session last night, which we were going to break down into part two. That said, we've been messaging backwards and forwards today and we've realised we've missed a load of stuff and there's loads more we should possibly talk about in a part three. If you want to watch Noel's film on Iceland and Greg's film Cycling Through Peru, dive into YouTube and do a search for Finding Grandma and the F-Roads of Iceland, and they're both thoroughly recommended. Not enough people have seen them. Make sure you tune in for part two next week. Thanks a lot for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you really appreciate what we do, you could consider supporting us on Patreon or buy us a coffee. Links are available on our website, which is tampodcast.com, tampodcast.com, where we also have a limited selection of branded stuff. But either way, please keep listening and spreading the word. See you next time.